Welcome to the fourth episode, the fourth Irrational Thoughts podcast episode. My name is DeAndre Honorable, and I'm here with my co-star. Matthew Corser. And we wanted to go back on to the, to the terrorist issue. We, uh, in the last episode, we had our friend Andrew Tejeda with us. Very much appreciate you being there with us. I had a very good time with you that day. Uh, but there were a couple more things that we wanted to touch on, as well as we had the Republican the Republican debate today as well, and uh, it kind of added some more feel to the fire to the topic, might I say. So, with that being said, I it was mostly I know my uh, my co-star Matt had a lot he a lot more he wanted to say, so I'm gonna leave it to him to start this off. Man, you're putting all the burden on me. Okay, <laughs> so we we're recording like. The, the last Republican debate ended less than a half hour ago, and man, that was I know I know for you because we were Facebook messaging through the whole thing. I was live tweeting it, but it was just it was rough to get through that whole debate. There, it, terrorism was a big issue, which I expected it to be in light of Paris and San Bernardino. I mean, conveniently, Planned Parenthood wasn't brought up at all, but that's we'll get into that later. But terrorism was just brought up and how they're going to deal with terrorism and how they're going to be better on terrorism than Obama. Mostly is about how they're going to be better on terrorism than Obama and Clinton and then everybody else, which is more bombings. Not a lot of them said they wanted to put troops on the ground, but more bombings, more wiretappings, stuff of that nature, which things that are ineffective, essentially. I think that the, the ones that stood out for me were the... Chris Christie and Marco Rubio, essentially, and and Donald Trump saying that we need more wiretapping. Like Donald Trump is willing to take down parts of the internet. He said he was going to take down parts of the internet. Then he backtracked saying like, "Oh, I'm going to take down parts of the internet in Syria and Iraq." Like, wait a second. Like, there's no ownership of the internet. Like, it's all the internet. Like, you take down one part of the internet, like anybody can access that. But you you're taking it down for everybody. Right. And then not only that, but we and you talked about this before, where this is, I mean, in terms of, like, what terrorism is actually about, is about getting, like, political change, um, this is exactly what they want. They want to rip, the, they want us to change. They want, I mean, realistically, the candidates that, the candidate, what the candidates are saying is exactly what, I mean, they're winning in that sense, where they want us to, like, start surrendering over our freedom. They want us to start getting more violent and hostile towards towards them and start wasting our resources on a fruitless war like this is exactly what they want and it's pretty upsetting to just watch our politicians and watch our media and just like cater to their like you know just basically bend to their whim based on fear-mongering because the the american people are irrationally fearful of terrorists when realistically we don't need to be fearful of terrorism you got a better chance of being hit by lightning than you do by a terrorist. I, there, there, there's more of a chance of somebody breaking into my house right now and shooting me in the head, just some random guy, than me actually dying in a terrorist attack. But, I mean, and, you know, I understand. Like, it, it is tough. Like, these politicians are political figures, and the American people do not want them... They do not want to hear from these people... The best course of action is to do nothing. Like, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear, what are you going to do to kill these bastards? 
like like the the so-called liberal media quote liberal media as as was asking Obama the same thing like when are you going to take these bastards out like that that's what they want you to do like the best course of action right now honestly would be to do nothing to ISIS because doing anything to them now besides nothing just feeds into their narrative of what that you want them to do it's like the analogy that Dan Carlin brought up in the last episode like the dog biting the fleas off and you know where the dog the terrorists are fleas and sooner or later the dog is going to try to get kill the fleas so badly that it's going to hurt himself like it's what's happening to us like they don't they don't have to stage another 9-11 like event they just need to do a few san bernardinos a few little attacks here and there to just get us to rip ourselves apart and destroy our own constitutional and moral values that we claim to love so much like the, the fourth amendment's gone like there's there's nothing that's going to recover the fourth amendment since the patriot act like i i appreciate people trying to keep it alive and well but it's just gone like they they just took white out to that part of the constitution and it's it's just destroyed now right i mean those it's been gone it's been gone for a while now i mean even the whole like edward snowden and WikiLeaks and stuff like that i mean nothing could stop any it doesn't even seem like any there's anything that we can do to stop the the progressive growth of the government's power over our lives with again irrational fears like there's nothing like realistically there's nothing for you to be afraid of with with terrorism i mean more people i mean millions of people a year die in car accidents but you don't see many i mean most people don't get in the car and go god uh, you know like when you make that left turn at a four-way stop you, you're not afraid that you're going to die that day um so i mean it's it's completely un, i mean it's completely unjustified for them to even be taking a lot of these rights and then you know i mean i guess one of the arguments that they would throw at us is that well the reason why that's not why that's so is because we're doing such a good job protecting you and stuff like that but uh there's not much evidence to support the fact that there's that they're you know that they're keeping us safe that their that their actions that they're spying on us on a daily basis is actually keeping us safe. There's no there's not much evidence for that. Uh, so I don't feel like I feel like we're we're going into the whole like Benjamin Franklin thing where you know uh, what does he say? Uh, those who are willing to give up a little bit of uh, uh, freedom for a little bit of security will gain need will lose both and gain neither. Like I feel like we're we're going think, down I a dark I, path. I think that. I think I think what he said was they they um they'll lose both and deserve True, neither. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, if if you're if you're willing to throw away your liberties for security, like you're just you're going to turn into a totalitarian state. And I, I love I love I love how the Republican Party, not not to bash on Republicans too much this episode, but it's, it's, it's hard not to. Minds. I love. Yeah, it's it's hard not to. But I love how the Republican Party is essentially tries to be the party for small government, little government, but they want to expand the military, which is a which is a government entity. They want to expand the government's reach into our private lives. They kept talking about how that like we need to keep keep getting into our phones. We need to tap our phones. We need to check out our social media accounts. We need to check into this, this, and this, and this. Like it, it seems like these San Bernardino people have been radicalized for a few years now, and had the it's it comes to find out that the wife had proclaimed support for the an Islamic State leader a while ago. Like 
we've had gov- government surveillance is still going on. Like no matter what Rand Paul says back in May, like it's still going on. Like why didn't government surveillance catch these people three years ago when they started buying more guns, started training for those ranges, started being radicalized? Um, like the ideas don't just come out of nowhere. Like they got in contact with someone and they changed their minds. So why didn't this government surveillance catch them then? But back to the point of they want want smaller government, like federal agencies tapping into your phones and having storages of all your phone conversations and your emails and text messages. That doesn't sound like small government to me. Right, and then just to add to your fact earlier, like they didn't stop the Boston the Boston you know bomber as well. Um, and then he was nope. he, that stuff was going on for a, that was being planned for a little bit. But they're not. I got to remember where I was going to go. But not only that, God, I can't even remember where I was going to go with something. My whole train of thought just went out, just went out of my mind. Unfortunately, God, I was going. That's okay. Yeah. If you come back to it, we can say we can we can come back to it. If you come back to your yeah, point, please. I'm trying to think. Go ahead. You can you can continue on. I'm trying to think about what I was trying to say. But, I mean, and like I said to an earlier point, like, the voters just don't want these politicians to act rationally in these situations. Like, they they want them to say, come out and say, this is how we're going to hit ISIS, this is what we're going to do to defeat ISIS, when the best course of action is to do nothing. But they don't want to hear that. Like, us, us Donald Trump demonizing Muslims fits into ISIS's narrative of, look, the West hates you. Look at what they think of you. Look at what this guy is saying to you. And he is the leading candidate in the Republican Party running for office. Like, all they have to do is watch one of our debates and show, or any of the things that Trump says, show them to people and say, this is how you'll be treated in America if this guy is elected president. Come join us. We won't demonize you and treat you that way. Like, he's, he's, the, that debate was perfect propaganda. They pretty much do propaganda for ISIS for them. With all their talk of talk of carpet bombing the Middle East, and and Ted Cruz was like, oh, I didn't say like you know I'll I'll bomb ISIS strongholds. I, I mean I'll try not to hit, hit civilians. He said last week I'm going to see if sand can glow. Okay, so you're going to nuke ISIS now. Donald Trump saying that we might have to use nuclear weapons. Like, when does it end with these people? Like you guys are crazy. Right. That made me upset. Um, with the whole Ben Carson thing where he's talking about where they're asking him if like he's gonna if he'd be willing to kill women and children or particularly they were asking about children and the the crowd was acting like it's a leading question no it's a pretty rational question like when you start bombing people uh children will start dying it's it's just the fact of life war war hits innocent pretty much almost immediately as soon as it starts but then I remember what I was going to talk about and I was going to talk about how how ridiculous it is that the Republican Party wants the the American military to be even bigger when we are already 51% of the world's military budget. 51% of the world's military budget. That means the rest of the world combined still would not be outspending us. We have the largest Air Force, the largest naval fleet in the world, the most high-tech weapons. Like, what more do we need? Like, what more? What more do we need in order to be take if we were to supposedly take these guys out? I mean, we already have God on our side, so we don't. We don't need. We're all, we're all set on that front. Yeah, because God's God's the one who's uh, taking care of that military budget for us. We all know that. That's what all those uh, 
church donations are for. They just go straight to the military. <laughs> when they pass the plate around at church for you, it's really going to the United States military because that's what God really wants us to be spending our money on. Is it bad that I would not be surprised if some churches were actually doing that? Yeah, let's not get into too much. Uh, I guess we don't need to get too much into that because I guess I can go on about how how war hungry and how murderous, how murder hungry these candidates are. But they're but the Republican Party is supposedly the party, you know, of Christ. Uh, they're supposed, yeah, they're they're supposed to be the par- party of morals and the Christian party. And granted, I won't. Like Democrats aren't much better when it comes to this issue, but Democrats generally aren't trying to cater to the evangelical Christian vote. Generally, like you'll find a few who try to get their vote, but they're generally not. Like it's it's people like Ted Cruz and Ben Carson who are actively trying to get the evangelical vote in Iowa, and these guys are just like on the warpath. They're they want to bomb these people, kill these people. This, 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 arm these people. It's like, whatever happened to turn the other cheek? Love your enemy. Like, those who live by the sword die by the sword. Like, what happened to the, to that rhetoric in your faith? Like, that obviously that part you don't care about. Like, I, they don't care about any part of their faith. Like, genuinely, I believe, I think, I, I would believe, I would say that Ted Cruz genuinely believes in what he says, but his actions speak differently from what he says. He's, he's, He's a char- charlatan. He's a demagogue. Like these people don't care. They they only care about their faith and what is how it's going to get them votes. Right. Exactly. And then I mean, at this point, pretty much what all the candidates are doing at this point is catering to the fears that Americans are having right now. Like they're not catering, but they're feeding off of the fears that Americans have right now and using that fear to, for their agenda right now. I mean, particularly Donald Trump is doing. You know, love him or hate him, hate him over here, but. Uh, yes. but realistically, he's doing a, he's doing an amazing job at making people so like irrationally fearful of what's going on in the Middle East and what's going on and all around the world, like in Paris and then the San Bernardino attacks to where people are just like, we want to, we want this guy to be president just so he can do the things that he's claiming he's going to do. We don't want these Muslims coming over here and killing us, even though that, even though it's highly unlikely that. Some Muslims got to come over from the Middle East where, what, 80% are women and children, the other like 10%, the other like 10 to 15% are like elderly folks. Like, it's pretty much not going to happen. Like, they don't need, they don't need to repeatedly interview women, children, and elderly people over and over and over again to try to find out if they're going to be terrorists. And the, the likelihood is almost zero. Well, didn't you hear Chris Christie say that? Uh, that that woman was from Pakistan, so that proves right there that women will kill people. Like that right there proves that Muslim women will kill people. Like okay, there's that guy at the Planned Parenthood shooting. Doesn't that prove that white, old white conservative Christians will shoot up abortion clinics? I mean, he did it, so that means they're all likely to do it, right? Right. God, I wish I would have remembered where. I wish I would have had it ready for the. The study that was done, or not study more, I don't know what you would even call it, but where it says that basically you're six times more likely to be killed by a conservative Christian white man than you are to be killed by a, a radical Muslim. Well, there's more of them in this country. Like Statistically, there's more conservative white Christians in this country. There's only three million Muslims in this country, so law of averages. Very true. 
and and I like I like I went out when Dan Carlin was talking, he he talked a little bit on gun control and he said like even if you took all the guns away in this country, which is what a liberal's wet dream would be to take <laughs> away all the guns in this country. I don't personally think that is a feasible or a viable option. Like we do have the Second Amendment, even though I feel like the Second Amendment has been bastardized in recent recent years, decades. But still, like you're not going to take away people's guns. Like even if you hypothetically took away people's guns, like we would still kill each other. Like because we we are inherently a more violent country than like you look you look at the crime rates in Europe or all around the world. They don't kill each other as much as we do. Like we're just we're just violent people, like plain and simple. Yeah, that has something. I, that's got a lot to do with like our history and stuff and. The separation of like the wealthy to the poor and you know blacks and other minorities going into like ghettos and stuff like that so that's got a lot of couple that's got a lot of different uh factors to it that more organic nations such as like you know france britain germany and china china and stuff like that don't really have to deal with as much as we do so um but yeah, you're right. I mean, we are we are way more violent people, um, but there's no. I mean, there's no way to get around that. Unfortunately, that's something that's gonna have to. That's something that's gonna have to dissipate with time. That's not something that gun laws are actually gonna be able to fix for us. No, just uh, just just look at the state of our political climate. It, it's not dissipating anytime soon. Like you, there's that video of that Trump rally. Where they're just like, anytime there's a protester, they pretty much just beat the shit out of these people. And they say, like, they say horrible things to these protesters. Horrible things as they're beating the shit out of them. Like, saying all lives matter while they beat the crap out of someone. Obviously not all lives matter, because his life doesn't matter. Because if his life genuinely mattered, you wouldn't be beating the shit out of him. So, like, th- things aren't changing. Like, it's... I, I mean, it's 2015, I just... Stop things would be better by now, but it's just it's just not. I mean, granted, and like I I like to say that you know we do live in the safest time period in human history. Like we don't have to worry about the Mongolians or various other things coming to like steal our wives and rape thank, our children at night. Like we genuinely don't have we don't have to worry about stuff like God, that. Thank God we don't have to still, worry about the Mongolians. <laughs> no, yes, thank God, but it's it's still 2015. Like, why why are these it's why are these things still issues? Like, honestly, right. And then, I mean, I don't I don't have all the right, answers. I don't have all the answers either. But I think a lot of it has to do with like our our media outlets basically catering to ideologies and stuff like that. So if you want, I mean, you don't really see much like moderate like television, at least like in terms of like news media and stuff like that. They typically swing one way or the or the other. You know, there's exceptions to every rule, but they're basically like these media outlets are basically catering and they're just like pumping people up on like these, these ideas and stuff like that. And if you only get one side of the story, if you just constantly get somebody just reaffirming your beliefs, like that's going to start causing some problems for you, not only like mentally, but then like those, those, you know, that mental, that mental state is going to eventually turn into action and you're going to start getting in more arguments and stuff like that. And you're not even going to want to hear what people have to say. I think that we need more, more media outlets that have more of an actual like 
moderate approach and they actually debate topics and you know don't take don't do as much like you know just bashing the other party i don't you know when you see some of these like people on fox news uh again not to harp on uh republic you know conservative ideology too much but M- or MSNBC. Yeah, to be fair, M- M- MSNBC does the same thing for right. the left. But you just see these people, like, they just start, like, talking about these people, like, insulting them and stuff. Like, that's not news, and that's not beneficial to the viewer or to yourself. I mean, it's, it's, it's degrading to both parties at that point, I believe. It's not journalistic integrity, which I would argue that these aren't even journalistic outlets. They're entertainments. They're entertainment outlets that claim to be news. You may have a journalism or two on on this news program, but generally like Fox and Friends or I'm not intimately familiar with MSNBC's lineup, like Morning Joe, like these are all partisan outlets that have a very specific, they have a very specific ideology that they're trying to push. And Fox News is for the right wing. MSNBC is for the left wing and CNN is pretty much just for the ratings. Like they'll, they'll spew whatever crap on CNN just to get ratings. Like that's all they care about. And I don't, I don't want to be that guy who is like, I mean, I, I love NPR, but not enough people listen to NPR because it's on the radio and NPR does a pretty good job of just saying, this is the story. These are the sides of the story. These are the people involved in the story. Here's questions we're going to ask these people. And if they say something, we want further clarification on we'll ask these questions or if they avoid our question we'll follow up on those questions it's not part i mean they do tend to skew a little bit to the left on things but they generally keep it pretty moderate but again it's on the radio it's public radio there's a kind of a hippie perception with public radio anyway so it doesn't get as much attention as it should right definitely i have to i have to agree with that so i think that we need to try to go back to more because i mean they we used to have those type of that type of stuff on TV where you would see, like, people from, like, you know, conservative uh, mindsets and then, like, liberal mindsets, and they would come together and they would just basically just sit down and talk about certain things, you know, the biggest threat at the time, obviously, being the Russians, and they would just talk about different ways that that should be approached. And I think that that would not only be beneficial for both sides to try to come to some type of, um, some type of compromise together, but I think that it'll really help us as a country realize that we need to stop. It shouldn't be too much about like what party you lean towards or what type of uh, uh, mindset you lean towards. But it should just be more about us trying to figure out a solution that benefits everybody as a whole. Look, and then like every, no, I mean, I don't want to say that every party acknowledges that there's all the same problems because we can get into that later, but most on most problems, we all acknowledge that there's there's generally a problem. It's just when we want to fix these problems, we have different ways of approaching these problems. And, you know, I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong way to approach it, but we don't, we just don't come together anymore. And I'm, I'm guilty of this. I, I'm trying to get better at this. It's just, it's just hard sometimes with some people to just sit down and have a conversation with them instead of it being like a shouting match and either you or the other person just completely shutting your brain down to what the other person's saying. And like you were saying, like we used to have these conversations and sit down and different pundits or different people from different views would sit down and talk to each other 
Like, I think the 24 hours news cycle has abolished that because now we need a 24 hours news cycle needs something on constantly. So you're going to have stuff like Bill O'Reilly and the Kelly file and Fox and friends and the five. And they're, they're just all going to pretty much be spokespersons for insert political agenda. And the only time you have a liberal on Fox news or a conservative on MSNBC, it's to ask them how they feel about them and then about an issue and then tell them how stupid they are for thinking that way. Like that's all it is. Like that's not constructive in any way, shape or form. Right. No, totally agree. Yeah. But it's, you know, I guess it's Which, one of the things like, you know, how do we even go back to, how do we even get to a point to where we're not too much fighting about different ways that people think, but do we, where we get to a point where we're just basically trying to sit down and try to find a solution to the issue. I mean, cause we, I mean, Abraham Lincoln's a great example. Abraham Lincoln, when he had his cabinet, he had, his cabinet was full of Every single person in his cabinet was from a completely different political party because he didn't want want he didn't want to he didn't want anybody catering to his one mindset. He wanted to hear something he wanted to hear something different from every individual and find the best solution. Like I don't even understand I don't even know how we would even get back to that point. Well, and like I, you would have people argue that you could shut down these news sites, and I would not personally advocate for that because. As much as I despise the 24 hours news cycle, like it's freedom of speech, they do have the right to issue these things. And even if you have a, mod- a more moderate news network that just strictly has these things, I, I honestly think it would do well with a very small percentage of the population like me and you. But I don't think the rest of the population cares. Like it's it's obvious they want their partisan media bias. Like people, people think that Fox News is telling them the truth and is reporting on the issues that matter to them. Like just, just, just going on our pages, Facebook, like scrolling through, like we, we, we like every major news site, so we don't have a, a biased view ourselves, so we can see what every news outlet thinks is worthy news. Like MSNBC and Fox News, like Fox News is the bigger offender of this, but MSNBC has some BS that they post sometimes as well. But we, we were just talking about this the other day, like Fox News putting up things on that that's national news about a church getting hit with a with a noise complaint. Like that's a news article worthy of being on the Facebook page and being promoted. A church getting hit with a noise complaint. Like give me a break because there aren't people there aren't homeless veterans in this country. There aren't people starving. There aren't wounded veterans who are psychologically screwed up. No church church with a noise complaint. That's the most important thing that we need to talk about right now. Like, are you kidding me? No, they're they're definitely not kidding you over there. And I definitely agree that that's that's some BS that they're over there talking about. But that's what I mean. Like you said, that's what they want to hear. That's the, that's the exact type of narrative that they that those people want to hear. Um, but to go back to what we can do about it, I mean. I don't know, man. I mean, maybe make it because at the moment, I if me or you wanted to start some type of like news station, like it would be extremely hard for me or you to do so because of all the regulations and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe we need to create an environment to where like creating more different type of outlets and news stations would be, would be easier. You know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that process would work or what type of it what type of laws or laws we would have to get rid of to make that easier. Um, but at the moment, I mean, if you want to, if, if, 
if me or you wanted to do something like that, it would be nigh impossible at this point beyond doing it on YouTube exclusively. Well, no one's I, no one's interested to no one's interested in doing that because you would because pretty much any time that a Republican's butt hurt about anything Obama does or vice versa, any liberals up hurt by anything a conservative does, they they run to Fox News or MSNBC and say, oh, they they're really mean and they hurt my feelings. Like they they these politicians run to their news outlets to complain about the other party so like there's no incentive to get rid of it right now like i don't and i in like i said if there was an executive action against this like you could make an argument that it's infringing on free speech right so tell me what you think you you should do like what do you think is the appropriate actions like step by step like what would be the actions that you would take in terms of like trying to resolve issues with terrorism in the Middle East. Oh, gosh. Um, or what would, the, or what would think, your ideal candidate do? Okay, let, let, let's hypothetically say me, Matthew Corser, 27 years old, not, not qualified to be president yet, but let's say I have the same mindset when I'm 35. I would make us... I would try to make us energy independent so that us as a nation is not reliant on oil. Like I understand it's going to be long, it's going to be tough, but we need to get off oil. We need to have our vehicles, everything else run on something else. I don't know what that something else is. I'm I'm not that smart, but it needs to be something else. So then once once this happens, we can put our foot down to Saudi Arabia because I think they are the biggest problem in that region. Everybody, I, I want to bring this up. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to express this. I want to bring this up. John Kasich and uh, John Kasich, the one I can think of right now, but he's demonizing Iran for how horrible they are in the region. Like I would, uh, at least the Iranians get to vote. But Saudi Arabia is the biggest offender of radical, Wahhabism in the region, and they're like that because of us, because we are in bed with them. That is why. So I would, I would take a hard, hard line against Saudi Arabia. Like ISIS may want to kill Saudi Arabia, but they, they've created this fountainhead of Sharia law ideas that have made it acceptable for other people in the region to practice those ideals and and this goes back to us wanting to stop the russians at all costs back during the cold war and we're just living with the effects of it now and these these are consequences we didn't intend to happen and then i would i would personally like i don't think we need like a full military force in the region but iraq is already falling apart like unfortunately we we got in there we have a responsibility to make sure that country doesn't go completely to shit so I would leave a very small security force in Iraq to try and make sure that country doesn't fall apart. But honestly, it, it just comes down to these countries need to decide for themselves what they want to be as a country and how they want to interact on the global scene. If 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 Syria wants to be like North Korea and completely isolate themselves from the rest of the world, that is their decision. That is not a decision for us to make. We are not in the business of regime change, and it is not our job to instill democracy in countries when they don't want it themselves. 
not only that, but it's not our job to overthrow democracies um, when we don't like the leaders that are elected either, though, i.e. Uh, Iran, Guatemala, Chile, pick any third world, third world, third world country and you'll have, you'll see it somewhere in there pretty much. Um, but I think one thing that, that really upset me about this debate was how they start talking about the San Bernardino, you know, event and the, and the couple and stuff like that and how they were radicalized, born in America, stuff like that. But nobody ever brought up that they went to Saudi Arabia. Like that was never part of the conversation. These guys went to Saudi Arabia a couple years ago and came back. Like, if they would have went to Iraq or Syria, that would have definitely have been something that was brought up. But they never brought that piece up because, I don't know, they're by, some, somebody obviously told them, don't bring that up, that's not important. That's not important news, or that's, that doesn't fit the narrative that we want. And, that may, and I mean, that just shows, like, what you were saying. Like, we're just in, we're just in bed with them so much that we just completely ignore, even when... Even when even when people over here terrorists are being radicalized by them, we even ignore that completely. Mm-hmm. So, well, all the all the nine eleven attackers were from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But I mean, I'll I don't I don't disagree with you completely, but I I will play devil's advocate. And while I think Saudi Arabia is generally a pretty horrible government, I don't hate the Saudi people. I think their government's horrible and they do horrible things. I, you could make the argument that by targeting Arab Muslims that go to Saudi Arabia, it could be a form of religious bias because they are required by their religion to go to Mecca as part of their religion. But then again, at the same time, like this is a country that has some outlandish ideas, like right, just but- just for having alcohol. Just for having alcohol, the guy, some guy's gonna get a hundred lashes a day for like two years. That's ridiculous. Right, but I would I, I wouldn't say that we need to keep an eye out on people who go to Saudi Arabia as much. I think it what just upset me about it was is that it just wasn't brought up in the narrative. Like it wasn't brought up at okay. all. I don't want I don't want anybody who goes to Saudi Arabia to be on some type of watch list or you know on like okay. get an, or I don't want Donald Trump to get an alert anytime somebody gets something like that on like I don't know like his Facebook or whatever. But I do think that it would have been that it is something important to talk about, um, you know, especially for the American people who don't know about it, that Saudi that Saudi Arabia is where a lot of these people get radicalized like that. So it's very important that, that stuff gets talked about and it's something that we're not talking about because we're so in bed with them. No, and it's just, and it, and it comes from our dependence on their oil. We 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 need and to like, we need them to flood the market for us so gas prices stay low enough. And we're we're like nobody wants to talk about what's going on in Yemen. Like we're pretty much sponsoring like the war in Yemen indirectly. Like we are we are causing the war in Yemen to be like the mess that it is right now. Like nobody wants to talk about that. By letting Saudi Arabia do whatever they want there. And then I think, and then Israel's an instigator in the region as well. I know it won't be popular with our more conservative voters, but I would also take a more hard, a hard line on Israel. Like, Israel is essentially an apartheid state right now. 
like the way they oppress the Palestinians. And I don't, I don't agree with, like we, we talked about this last episode with Andrew, like I don't agree with terrorism in any way, shape or form. Like even if it's like when something, when it's a cause I believe in, like I don't think terrorism is the way yet. I can understand why the Palestinians act out against the Israelis because they, they keep them down and they persecute them and they deny them rights and they treat them like second class citizens. Like that's not cool at all. Like, I don't think terrorism is the way to solve any of these problems, but I understand why they do this. I don't think they should be doing it, but I understand why. Yeah, the Palestinians definitely get are definitely getting the short end of the stick throughout history right now. Because uh, they are, I mean, they don't get anything. Like, there's like four or five people, there's like four or five families living in like one, like single family apartments in, in, in Palestine, you know. And then, you know, they're cutting them off from trade. They're cutting them off from the rest of the world. They barely have power over there. And, you know, what is it, Hamas, they, they what, they shoot one missile over, injure three people, and then Israel bombs bombed them to the Stone Ages. And they say that, they say that we're going to bomb them to the Stone Ages. And nobody really, nobody really cares about that. Nobody really cares about what happens to the Palestinians over there. And that, I mean, that's, that's literally as if, like, one person in Grand Rapids, you know, uh, hurt one person over in Detroit and Detroit, you know, bombed us to the Stone Ages. Like the people, like the Palestinian people themselves are not responsible for what a, a minority group does. Like they're not responsible for that. They should not have to suffer for that. You have to hold the people, you have to hold the people responsible for what happens and the world's not a perfect place. Innocent people are always going to die, but it's our job as the so-called leader of the free world to make sure these things happen as little as possible. I'm not naive. Like we have the, the United States had a lot of innocent blood on their hands. We, we don't revel in it, but I think there's steps we could take as a country to make sure that less civilians are killed when we're going after these threats in the region, which another thing like, when people are saying we're at war, like we're at war in like the loosest way possible, like Obama has never asked Congress for authority to use these drone strikes. Like I would argue that a drone strike in Pakistan or Iraq is an act of war against whoever you're bombing. It, it would shoe on it the would other definitely foot. be an act of war shoe against the, us. Yeah, shoe on the other foot. Like China, China. Like I don't, I don't want to demonize China, so I won't use them as an example. But let's say Cuba gets their hands on a drone, and Cuba dr- launches a drone in Miami. Boom, we're at war with Cuba. The de- the minute oh, it there happens. would be no more Cuba after that. There no. would be no more Cuba. But we can, but we can do it to Pakistan, Syria, and Iraq because Pakistan, Syria, and Iraq they don't have an air force, they don't have a navy, so mm, we're kind of all over here, and everything's all nice and comfy, and everything's all all good over here in America. I don't have to worry about that. So. It's not really war because they can't do anything against us. Right. I think that more, I think ideally what I would want, I think what what I would want is, I would want us to stop getting get, getting into everybody's business. I would want us to stop creating the conditions to where people would want to hurt us. I mean, the shoe yeah. were on the other foot. We If some other country, I mean, like we just said, I mean, if some other country did at least a minute fraction of what we do to the rest of the world, we would... We we would do what the Israelis were saying. We would literally bomb them to the Stone Ages. 
Like there is no way around it. Like there is no like any like let any nation launch one missile at us, one drone strike at us, that country is gonna be wiped off the face of the map. And but I mean you, you throw that around I mean I, I play around with that idea with people and people just some people just look at me like I'm crazy, like well, I mean, we're America, like we're allowed to do stuff like that. Like, who, who said we could do stuff like that? Like, we said we could do stuff like that. Because after World War II, nobody was in the position to tell us no, except for the Soviet Union. Yeah, and they could barely tell us no. Yeah. Like, after World War II, like, because we were not ravaged by World War One and World War Two the way Europe was. Like, the old, the old powers were destroyed after World War Two, and we came up, no one was there to stop us from being the the big kid on the block. So we pretty much got to say, well, uh, the British people got to do this before we did. So I guess it's our turn. Yeah, pretty much. Who was, I mean, who was going to stop us? I mean, Russia, Russia was in a better position than the rest of Europe. I mean, Russia's not really Europe. Most of the land masses in Asia, but they're still considered a European conglomerate or something like that that's pretty that's always been very confusing to me Eurasian. yeah that's really weird i mean anyways they were in a better position than the rest of europe due to the fact that they took all of their uh their uh factories and put them on the east the east side of their country um to keep the germans from blowing them up but they still weren't even in a remotely a similar position that we were i mean it took them another couple years to get the the atomic weapons so they couldn't really say much to us um, besides that, we're just going to occupy this this half of Europe, and you guys can have that side of Europe if you want. But, I mean, after that, I mean, realistically, I mean, but you're right. I mean, besides Russia, who could really mess with us? I mean, we let the Chinese mess with us, but we only let them mess with us for a little bit because they acquired the nuclear weapon, and they had they kind of had Russia behind their back as well. Yep. And then Latin America. I mean, Latin America gets it the worst because who's going to, who, I mean, besides Cuba, nobody... Nobody in Latin America has any type of support, external support. Uh, I mean, period. Cuba has Russia's support. No. But that's kind of like an old Cold War alliance that's kind of like, that's pretty much probably dwindled at this point. Yeah, it's like, it's like we're still friends because we went to school together, but we really don't talk anymore. <laughs> More or less. But yeah, I mean, and China really doesn't want to mess with us because who's going to buy all their crap if we don't? Right, and then who's gonna make all of our crap if they don't? So that's kind. Of, we're kind of we're yeah, kind of in like, bed. Like, we're kind of in bed with them to an extent. But I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, realistically, for the people of China, because they're getting more and more freedoms all the time. I mean, I know it's still not ideal, but realistically, the people in China uh, are getting more freedoms. Not a lot is in terms of like social issues, but economically, I mean, China's a more economically free nation than we are, and can see that that's paying dividends due to how much capital they're acquiring every year and then that's and if you and like we made this uh we've had this conversation before like i don't think it's our job to be spreading our way of democracy and our moral values around the world like it, it works like i want i'll make the argument that it doesn't even work here but if you want to make the argument that it does work here like just because it works here doesn't mean it's going to work in china like you can't force any kind of moral or economic ideologue onto a people and just expect them to embrace it. The way you have them change their views is by 
like we're doing with China, you open up trade, you allow easier travel between the countries, like you open up dialogues and you start friendships with countries like China, and the people will realize this is what they want, and it's slowly but surely happening. That's what you do with the Middle East. You bring the Middle East up from this barren, poverty-stricken, unfortunate cesspool that it is, you bring it up, you open dialogue, you allow free travel and trade with these regions, and they themselves will start to become better places for the whole world. I mean, for God's sakes, this, this region is the birthplace of human civilization. Like, there would be no human civilization without the Middle East at all it's where all the major religions come from and we are just so quick to bomb them destroy their cities and demonize the entire people like it it, it makes me I, sad I, it, it's sad man. i mean just to add to your narrative i mean just look at vietnam for example we killed probably uh, i think the we killed anywhere between a million to five million people in vietnam and now we're like almost best friends with like vietnam like we trade with vietnam they, I mean, and for the people and for the Vietnamese people, like that's been a benefit. They can travel back and forth between the United States and Vietnam uh, with no problems. They're a more freer, and again, they're a more freer nation. They used to have to listen. This one guy I was talking to who's from Vietnam said that they used to have to listen to these speakers every morning about how awesome Vietnam was and about how how shitty, basically, excuse my friend, about how awful the United States was. That stuff's not going anymore because they're re they're reaping the benefits of open trade and communication between us, and I think that's part. I mean, for, I mean, peace, trade, and friendship goes a lot a lot longer way a way longer way than any type of war ever will. It has a more lasting effect. I mean, what the French and the British were hated each other for you know about fifteen hundred years. Soon as they start, soon as they start trading with each other and opening their borders to each other, having lasting friendships, what they haven't? I don't think they they haven't been war. I don't even know when the last time the French have been war, the French and English have been at war, but I I would assume that it was I, yeah, I would assume that it would be before sometime before uh, World War One, obviously. Yeah, which which all of Europe is like that now. Like after World War One and World War Two, like Europe realized like we can't do this anymore. So they Europe pretty much just created the European Union so that this never happens again. Maybe you you may argue the merits of the European Union now and how effective it is, but it has done its job for the past sixty years of making it so Europe is not at war with each other. Right. And I, w I would also like, like to add on to that as well that like I Ideas and stuff, like if you open borders and stuff between between countries, ideas are going to flow back and forth both ways, regardless if it's something that you're intending to do anyways. I mean, communism is not particularly like a Chinese or a Russian thing that, or a Russian idea, but it is something that flowed into those nations due to open borders. Now, are those good things that happen to those nations? Maybe not so, but the bad, the, the thing that kind of solidify the communist control in China and in Russia is that after they become became communist nations the rest of the world shunned them and blocked trade with them which stopped them from being able to go from communism to another ideology that's why the Russians took so long and that's why China stayed in stayed such an unfree nation for so long as well which I would argue that our 
hard line against Iran and North Korea hasn't worked yet because, I mean, Iran is getting better. It's still got a long ways to go, but Iran is getting better. But North Korea, like, my God, like, that is the most isolated and closed-minded and brainwashed country in the world. And I don't think the North Korean leadership is, they, they don't want any outside influence in there anyways. But it didn't help that we completely shut them off, shut them out after the Korean War. Right, and there's no, there's nobody on the, and just to add, there's nobody on the planet that I would ever go to North Korea for. I would rather die. No, never, like never, ever, ever. No, like your son, your son is really cute, but I would look at him and be like, man, that sucks. You gonna have to go to North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> But but like you were saying with the with the flow of ideas, like you take the good with the bad. Like when you have ideas flowing, you're gonna get good ideas, you're gonna get bad ideas. It's just do you think the ideas that are good are worth the risk of taking bad ideas? Because like and bad ideas is a subjective thing, anyways. Like, but like, are you willing to make take that risk? Which, right. I mean, I mean, I think. No, go ahead. No, go I was ahead. gonna say like. Like, realistically, like, like, communism isn't really a bad thing. So I think that, like, like, I mean, if you look at people like, um, Vladimir Lenin, and then, I don't, you know, I, I guess I don't know enough about Mao Zedong to say, but particularly, uh, um, Vladimir Lenin, I mean, realistically, like, he believed that communism was the right thing for the people of Russia. Like, he was literally tr trying to make Russia a better, better place now. When Stalin got in problem, that obviously all went south real quickly. Um, but it wasn't like he was like just trying to take over Russia and make Russia like you know create some dictatorship and kill millions of people. Like he was trying to make the the lives of the Russian people better better for them, and he didn't think that capitalism was the appropriate way to go. So um, yeah, which you mean you can make an argument for both cases, and you'll have your supporters and detractors on both sides. But yeah. Like, I don't think, like, bad people will always use good ideas for their own horrible agendas. Right. And, like, and then, like we said, like I said earlier, like, the moment that we shut, like, we shunned them and kind of separated them from the rest of the world and didn't have open, you know, free travel between the two nations is the moment that we kind of really make like we, we basically solidified that type of thinking we solidified that government and that regime in power when what we really should have did was opened up trade and communication between the two and let the flow and let the flow of ideas and and and, and free thinking flow into that nation and pretty much open up a better you know a better world for them you know i mean eventually yeah. people are gonna get if people see what type of freedoms that other people are living with and and benefiting from, they're gonna over. They're gonna eventually overthrow the regime that's suppressed. That's keeping that from them as well. Well, like speaking on your um, shunning Russia, the Soviet Union back then, like we made communism, like the the being a communist, we made the Communist Party illegal in the fifties. Like, there's the First Amendment right out the window. There goes your freedom of speech, and that right there is terrifying like that that's like a freedom uh, that's a, that's a you're outlying things that you think are bad ideas and you may not think that outlying communism was necessarily a bad thing but now we've had people talking about banning all the muslims from coming in 
and you're pretty much saying that people are guilty of whatever their religion believes before they actually do it. Like, like before you actually had to, you, you can, you can believe and you could think that all Christians need to die for their beliefs. You can think that all you want. They, they may be terrifying, horrible beliefs, but as long as you're not actually going out and killing people with those beliefs, like you're allowed to have those beliefs. It's when you actually start doing those things that it's wrong. You, you cross the line. But you have people like Donald Trump and Ted Cruz saying that, no, you can't even be a Muslim because violence is just so ingrained in your religion. You're going to be you're just going to be compelled to commit these violent acts just because of the religion. I'm like, well, wait a second. So today Islam is the bad idea. And you have all these people, these religious liberty activists saying that. You know, they need more religious liberty so that they can persecute against homosexuals, which is essentially what it comes down to. But, you know, you, you, you can make the argument that that's not the case, and I'll, I'll listen to that argument. But they, they use their religious liberty. I'm like, well, wait a second. Don't Muslims have the same religious liberty to practice their religious beliefs without being discriminated against? Because you can't make that religious liberty argument while trying to demonize and outlaw Islam, essentially, because your narrative for your belief system just goes out the window. Right. And that, that reminds me very much of, uh, you probably heard the poem before. It kind of gets, um, it kind of gets. Yeah, the, it's like, it's from the yeah, Holocaust. Yeah, where they're basically like, they came after, you know, they came after the Jews, but I said nothing because I was a, I wasn't a Jew. And then, uh, you know, it keeps going through all these different situations, and then eventually the person goes, and then they came for me, but nobody was there to help me because they'd all already been taken away. Uh, it's, I mean, yeah. it's the same. It's the same thing where eventually, I mean, if you let, if you let injustices happen to others, just because you can't relate to them, just because that injustice isn't happening to you directly, eventually that's gonna, it's gonna spread, and it's gonna, you know, it's gonna spread and take over your your freedoms as well. I mean. Aurelian type states don't happen overnight. It's not like somebody just, you know, becomes president one day and goes, "Hey, you know, I'm about to take, you know, Big Brothers here now." Like it's a, it's a, it's a small, subtle process that feeds off of our fears. Our again, more than likely, irrational fears that we have about the world. We think that this state, that this superpower, is there to protect us, but realistically, they're just there trying to claim more and more and more power. I mean, realistically, I'm not entirely sure like why the state needs so much power, but that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to gain a ton of power, and they're stripping it from you little by little until by the time that you are ready to to actually rise up against it, it's already too late. Anything that you that you needed to in order to overthrow it or or to suppress this type of uprising is too late. They already taken away way too many of your freedoms in order for you to upright to rise up against them. No, yeah, I completely agree. Like, that's how it happens. It's not an overnight thing. It takes time. But you, you, don't, you don't have all the Republican candidates being as vocally offensive about banning all incoming Muslims as Donald Trump is. But a lot of them have said similar things where we need to vet the Syrian refugees even more, only let Christians in as refugees, look at look into wiretapping 
mosques that preach radical things, which, I mean, that's a very subjective thing. Like, um, uh, a lot of people would say that anything Muslims say is radical thoughts. So it's a slippery slope. So you start, like, they may not all, like, want to outright ban Muslims coming to the country as Donald Trump, but they are willing to single out and treat another religion differently simply because it's another religion. And, like, let's say hypothetically, Donald Trump, God forbid that he gets elected. Let's say hypothetically he gets elected. He's already made clear how he feels about illegal immigrants, which you can make the argument that that is an attack on the Latino community as a whole, and how he feels about Muslims. So he goes after those two, and that's done within his first year and a half of his presidency. Who is he going to go after next? Like, who's going to be the next ire of his disdain? Is it going to be black people? Uh, he's already said he hates, he pretty much has said how he dislikes China. Is it going to be Asians? And then after he's done with those people, is he going to go against people who didn't vote for him? And once he's done with that, like, let's say he goes after people he didn't vote for and Christians get outraged at that because, hey, my son vote didn't vote for you, but I love my son. Like, you can't put him in camps. So is he going to go after churches that disagree with him? Like, where does it end? It, it doesn't until everybody who's a critic of him is silenced like he is a fascist and i know we've we've tried for the last few episodes to be unbiased and impartial when it comes to the candidates but we're past this point with him he is dangerous he's a dangerous man for what the things he says like donald trump is he may not say he says he's not a fascist but he has fascist tendencies right who's he's he's terrible and even if he does, let's say he only does go after like Muslims, like whatever types of events take place and whatever type of bills or laws get passed that attack Muslims, like who's to say like the next person won't manipulate those bills into going after other types of groups? Like people, again, going back, I mean, we need to be protecting everybody's freedoms, even if it doesn't align with our own personal beliefs. Every, it's going to protect you in the right, long it's going run. To protect you in the long run. It's going to protect your kids in the long run, your friends, your family. It's very important that everybody's rights and, and freedoms is protected for the benefit of all. Like I, I, I cannot express I cannot express this enough that I mean you you hear I mean there are traffic laws that are that are dictated by old laws that used to be directed towards horses like. The legal system is something to is easily manipulated towards a different type of gain. Like that's that's kind of the good and the bad of the legal system that we have, the justice system that we have in America. Is that one bill? I mean, you don't know. I mean, you don't know about what type of ramifications it's going to have later. But twenty years down the line, it could have huge implications that were never even thought of at the time that it was passed. I mean, just look at how hard it was to get the Patriots Act rescinded and even then it just showed up in it was we got the patriot act light with the freedom act like stuff like that like nobody thinks about this stuff when you when you get to the heat of the moment and like no and after 9-11 like nobody was going to tell george bush no on the a a patriot act like you put patriot in it like after 9-11 like no one was going to say no to that like oh he's he's being strong and protecting us but like we're dealing with the consequences of it now it's ineffective and it doesn't do anything. Like Donald Trump also wants to bring back torture. It's like, oh, I don't care if it works. I was just a liberal saying it doesn't work. I'm gonna waterboard the hell out of him. Like it doesn't work. Like 
you're getting waterboarded, you're going to tell them whatever they want to hear for you to stop doing it. So putting these laws, like, like you said, like you put in laws to limit Muslims, freedom of religion and freedom of speech, you bug Muslims, the mosques, and let's say 10, 15 years down the line, there's somebody who gets into office at the Christian community reviles what's to stop this guy from bugging churches imprisoning what he would call quote radical preachers like it's already in law like i interpret this law to be against all people of religion not just the muslims so it's it's a slippery slope that we you know you, you can't foresee the consequences of it later on down the line right and i mean the people that get into these offices i mean these people are like, they may not be the most intelligent people in the world, these people that get in the offices. I mean, obviously, Donald Trump is running and he's, he's leading the polls. But uh, they have very, very, very intelligent people working for them who, I mean, you know, attorney generals and stuff who, who are basically able to manipulate laws however, the, however that suits their benefit. So, yeah, you're right. It's a slippery slope. We need to, we need to slow down. We need to take a moment. We need to step back. Take a deep breath and realize that we are we're going to be eventually causing more damage than we are good with the with the laws that we're trying to pass for again fears that are completely irrational have no backing to them uh, it's all fear mongering basically the media needs you needs you to be watching the news and the best way to get you to be watching the news is to try to scare the living hell out of you yeah and. You know, terrorism's horrible, no matter in what form it is, whether it's Islamic terrorism, Christian terrorism, conservative, liberal terrorism. Like, it's horrible, no matter what it is. But like we said at the beginning of the show, like doing what the terrorists... When we, when we react with fear and with our gut and with our emotion, and I understand why people would react that way, because that's generally my first reaction as well. But sit down... Have a deep breath, drink a glass of water, sleep on it. Like, don't do their jobs for them. You're making their job easier. Like, it's plain and simple. Like, I am personally not worried about any impending terrorist attack on our country. I mean, that may change in the next month or two, and I may be proven wrong. But us getting worried and freaked out about it is just going to fan the flames even more where we are going to end up burning down the neighborhood to stop the fire in our apartment. Like, that's what's going to happen. Right. And, again, well, not again, but what I really wanted to go on with this episode that I think that we, we, we touched on for a quick second, but we didn't really get to go into it in the last podcast, was that education. Education is very important, and it's important on both sides. Uh, it's important for us to be educated about the Muslim about Muslims and Muslim communities and stuff like that, as well as for them to be educated about us. Um, that's obvious on their end. I don't think that's something that could happen overnight, but literally, it is something that could happen overnight for us in the West, where you know our schools and stuff start teaching that, um, the media starts talking about it more. I mean, just listeners alone. I mean, how many of the listeners out here? know what know the difference between a Sunni and a Shiite Muslim. How many people on here know the five pillars of uh, Islam? I mean, realistically, I mean, how many people on here know that Jesus Christ is quoted more in the Quran than Elijah Muhammad? I mean, this is, a, this is, stuff. I mean, we need to understand, like, 
what these people believe in and why they believe the things that they do in order to really understand. I mean, it's not only is it going to bring us closer together, but it's going to make it to where like we don't make as many irrational decisions as we do. And it's it's harder to demonize people when you know them personally. Like I, I know it's not easier easy for all our listeners to do based on geographical location, but I would I would implore you. It, it doesn't need to be anything crazy, but just 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 call up your local mosque and ask to go visit them. They will gladly it, they will gladly have you there and sit down and talk to you for a half hour. They, I visited a mosque, it's been a few years ago, but they were very nice, they were very polite, I was very nice and polite with them, I expressed to them how I believed on certain religious aspects, and like I knew how they stood, but it was a very enlightening experience, just going in there, talking to a member of the mosque, sitting down, having a conversation with them, like, it was, it don't, don't get me wrong, it was awkward and uncomfortable at first, just going into this place where it's it is kind of a cultural cultural separation like it's just so different than anything i'm used to that it's uncomfortable and overwhelming at first but they're just human beings and they will sit down and they they want to educate you so that way you don't view them all as violent monsters so i would i would implore you even if you don't go and visit a mosque just go and find please 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 find non-biased sites to educate yourself and you know you can you can say that oh there's violent things in the quran and the quran calls people to violence like okay make that argument open up your bible take out any old testament book and tell me what that says because it's it, it's not it's not the same thing but the, the the bible's got some pretty crazy stuff in it as well so please just just educate yourselves non-biased sites on islam it, it, it's not a horrible religion and Muslims are not horrible people. Christians are not horrible people as well. Right. I think Reza Aslan had it, said it the best where, uh, you know, Islam, Christianity, Buddhism, whatever you want to go at. I mean, they're just they're just religions. Whatever type the, the individual is who makes the religion in a, in a sense, at least for themselves. If you're a violent person, you're going to find you're going to find justification in any religion. For your violence and if you're if you're a good person you're going to find justification in your religion to be a good person it's up to us i mean it's up to we are individuals we we can hide beyond we can hide beyond behind these curtains that we put up that kind of define us but realistically we are who we are and regardless if if these terrorists were uh christians or 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 buddhist or whatever they found they found their own justification for these for these violent attacks, and, they, and realistically, it was going to happen either way, regardless of what type of religion they were in. No, completely agree. Like, like you said, it's individuals. Violent people will find excuses to commit violence, no matter what ideological group they're with. It's you, you can't demonize all people just based on the actions. Like, I don't demonize all conservative Christians based on what that guy did to Planned Parenthood, I do believe that the conservative narrative over the last month may have emboldened him to commit these attacks, but, you know, it, it's one thing to have an opinion. It's another thing entirely to act on that opinion with violence, and that's that's true of any group, Islam, 
Christianity, conservative, or liberal. Right. Definitely. Totally agree. That's that's pretty much the last piece of narrative that I wanted to go over, at least. Was there another piece that you wanted to go off of? No, I'm set. set. Okay. Well, again, we are the Irrational Thoughts Podcast. I'm DeAndre Honorable. This is my co-star, Matthew Corser. Um, he did do a live tweet today. I don't know if uh, any of you listeners had a chance to listen to it. I mean, uh, get on Twitter and watch him go over it. Uh, it was pretty fun. I got a chance to look at it as well. I may have added a post or two myself, but I'm pretty sure you probably could tell the difference. Um, Matt is really good at telling telling you where we are at, so I will leave it to him. So we are currently on. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. We're we're trying to be more consistent with the daily updates about different posts. Like little, so we usually put our little opinion about things on the post. So we we encourage conversation and feedback on the posts we share on Facebook. It lets us know what you guys think about what we're posting and how you feel about certain subjects. And it may also influence what we talk about in a future episode. So there's that. You could just go on Facebook. I'm sure all of you have Facebook. Just go on, look up the Irrational Thoughts podcast. Boom. Give us a like. Let us know what you think. Also on Twitter, we are at IRR Thoughts, or you can just type in Irrational Thoughts. You can find us on there. Around podcast.com. There's a link on the Facebook page to podcast.com site, or you can just go to podcast.com and type in Irrational Thoughts Podcast. On iTunes, same thing. Look us up, Irrational Thoughts Podcast. You can find our first three episodes up there. We encourage you to listen to the old episodes. They've only gotten increasingly better, and they will continue to get better with your continued support. And Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to uh, spend some time with us. Thank you. Bye.